Hello, and welcome to All Things Marketing and Education. My name is Ilana Leone, and I've devoted my career to helping education brands build their brand awareness and engagement. Each week, I sit down with educators, edtech entrepreneurs, and experts in educational marketing and community building. All of them will share their successes and failures using social media, inbound marketing or content marketing, and community building. I'm excited to guide you on your journey to transform your marketing efforts into something that provides consistent value and ultimately improves the lives of your audience. Hello, everyone. I'm Alana Leone, and welcome to this week's episode of All Things Marketing and Education. Today, I'm sitting down with Q Cook, CEO of Remind. I recently got to know Q at an EdTech conference called ASU GSV just recently. It was in March, and we were sitting by a fire in beautiful, sunny San Diego, if you can imagine. And I sat down with someone who was the CEO of Remind, and I was just so pleasantly surprised how personable and how passionate he was. He talked about relationships so eloquently and talked about how relationships in schools really affected him. And that stuck with me, that conversation. And I thought he'd be a great guest for you all to get to know as well. Today, we'll be focusing on the power of creating meaningful relationships. And for you educators listening, we'll also talk a little bit more specifics and give you some tips and strategies as well as you navigate the school year. So a little bit more about Q before we get into questions with him. I think this will really help you understand his background and his passion. So prior to becoming CEO in 2021 of Remind, he served at as Remind's VP of product for over five years. So that's him in the kind of the nooks and the crannies of the product itself. He also worked in engineering and product and design roles at big companies like Spotify, Meta, Instagram, and PopSugar. And he also holds a BA in computer science from New York University. So you EdTech folk out here, I know you will find this episode very interesting as we talk about one of the fastest growing EdTech startups in potentially the history. It it has been phenomenal to watch them from afar and see them grow and see their impact. And educators, Q will be revealing some helpful best practices, resource. We'll get a little bit more tactical for you all um, on ways that you can meaningfully connect with parents, students, and the community at large as well. So welcome, Q, to all things marketing and education. Would you mind introducing yourself to our audience and just adding anything I missed? Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's a, it's an honor. This is my uh, first time on a podcast, so hopefully I'll do well. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think you you sort of nailed my background just right. You know, my, my background has definitely been in, you know, consumer software. I mean, I... I still feel like I'm learning about the ed tech space, even though I've been working here for you know seven 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 years now, um, and uh, but I really made a very meaningful and purposeful shift into ed tech uh, seven years ago. You know, I was I was looking at you know sort of what I wanted to do next, and I was looking at um, how I could make a bigger impact, how I could really influence the lives of, of a lot of people in a positive way. And, you know, I come from a family of educators. My dad was a teacher. My sister was a teacher. Um, and I, I, I really 
have been blessed to have a lot of really meaningful teachers in my life. Um, and so I was looking at, at education and technology startups and, and trying to figure out which, which one uh, really had a chance to, to impact a whole generation. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of amazing startups out there. I think there's a lot of amazing work happening in, in ed, education technology. But I, I found myself sort of wary of any company that felt like it was trying to obviate away teachers any company that said oh well you just pop your kid in front of this program and they're gonna like the personalized learning stuff is gonna take over and they're just gonna you know sort of have at it i think there's a place for that i think those can be really powerful and empowering for students but you know just like you said, when, when I think about what made a real difference in my life, it was when a teacher, you know, challenged me or when a teacher mentored me or when a teacher opened my eyes up to a whole new area of interest. I mean, I my entire career happened because I happened to just take a a programming course like on a whim. And this professor was amazing and, and really like got me very excited about, you know, the possibilities of what we can create with software. And and that's that's influenced my entire life. So, um, you know, I, I think that if we can have more students and families having those tight relationships with their teachers, having that supportive, the supportive moments, um, that's really what Remind is trying to do. And so when I found Remind and it, it was really focused on building those relationships at a huge, huge scale, never been done before, um, that's, it just got me really, really excited. And so that's why I joined Remind, you know, seven years ago and, and I've been really blessed to be able to build and work with us for those past seven years. Awesome. That's really helpful. And I love to hear when leaders are also part of families that were educated are or were educators, too, because it's kind of in your DNA, too. It's mm -hmm. you were raised that way. You have that utmost respect for educators and the profession. And mm -hmm. I've talked to lots of leaders in ed tech and they're kind of wayfinding to figure out what's how can they make the most impact using the skills that they have, right? Yeah. And it was about the time I see a lot of people make that move and that shift. And it's, it's cool to see how you started in product yeah. and got to really know probably the, the nooks and crannies of the product. And it's probably significantly changed since then even. Mm -hmm. But then how do I lead this ship? That's a, that's, a, that's a daunting but cool role. Do you yeah. want to just talk a little bit about your path inside Remind? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, to me, the the heart of what we are trying to do is we're trying to, you know, build those relationships that support student success and and facilitate, you know, teachers and educators that are that are are, are trying to build those. And so for a long time, for me, that that meant, you know, what, what is the actual software we're building? What are, what are the, the features we're building for educators? What are the ways that, you know, teachers' needs intersect with parent needs, intersect with student needs, intersect with admin needs? You're, it's this, like, sort of complicated balance you're trying, to, you're trying to foster because if you build for just one user type, you're not going to get this, you know, natural, um, you know, explosion of engagement that we actually see and foster on our mind. Um, and I think, you know, the, the, the challenge, though, even even when I was a even when I was just the product leader on Remind was how do we take this really big, you know, engaged user base where we've got millions of teachers that sign up and start using the Remind chat product for free? They just start messaging their, their classroom. How do we make a sustainable like generational business? Right. Um, 
you know, because it, it is, it, you know, I, I tell a lot of people when they when they first join your mind, if you want to make as much money as fast as possible in, in a startup, like don't join an ed tech startup in general. Like you have to be here for the mission. You have to be here because you want to help educators build those relationships. But but we have to we have to sustain our business. And so our, a challenge over the last you know five years has been how do we layer on services that um, you know, parents and admins and, you know, the, the buyers in education really get significant value out of so that they, they, uh, so that we can build this business and, and make remind last for the long term. Um, so in many ways, like, I know, I, I feel like, a, you know, every job I've done has just been trying to solve puzzles, uh, trying to figure out, uh, how do you how do you solve all these competing needs in a simple and, and elegant way? Um, sometimes that's been with code. Sometimes that's been with you know features, and sometimes that's been with you know large teams, right? Um, and so that that's just the next phase of what I've been doing as as CEO is really just trying to trying to build out this platform in a way that keeps delivering more and more value for students. You know, I think overall. The thing to, to the thing to know about Remind is communication always was looked at as just the beginning. Um, you know, I think a lot of people think about Remind and they think, oh, you're a messaging service. You're just a way for teachers to communicate with your classroom. And that's the, the heart of what we do. But the hope and the dream and the belief always has been we can take that engaged network of students, parents, teachers, and then start to distribute even richer and more impactful learning experiences. Um, because our belief is that if, you know, if, if there's any student out there that's, that's denied an experience that they would like, maybe tutoring, maybe an AP course, maybe, uh, you know, some advanced office hours with their teacher, uh, because their school can't offer it in person, that's a, that's a failure, right? And so if we can be there and partner with schools to offer richer learning experiences, um, that's, that's our goal. Um, and so it's a really exciting challenge. It's hard to, it's hard to build. We're still a very small group of people. Uh, we have huge ambitions. Uh, and, you know, that's, that's the path that we're on. So. Yeah, I remember when Remind first debuted and y'all were on the scene when we didn't have a lot of smartphones even in the beginning, right? So it was all about like SMS and making sure, and it still in some ways is because you talk about equity and access, right? Reaching the parents and the students and the community and the admins where they are. Yeah. And where, when it's easiest to communicate with them. And I've yeah. always loved that. And it, it truly has revolutionized the way educators chat with everybody and mm -hmm. students and whatnot. I can't imagine a day. Can you, when you're in school where you could actually talk to your educator no. and your teachers and your, you know, all the, I, I didn't have anything. They literally yeah. pin something to my clothes. Cause I'd always lose stuff. <laughs> Right. Yeah. You can't even trust the note home in the kid's backpack. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, that access point, I, I think, is so key to what we do. And, uh, you know, I, I really do believe that um, the one of the reasons we, we have been successful and one of the reasons we're sort of becoming the default sort of communication platform in schools is because we are we pay so much attention to making sure every person in the community can actually get and engage with the message. Everyone can actually build those relationships. And that is, that is hard. Like it is, it is significantly harder than uh, just sending out an email or just putting a, a note in a kid's backpack because there's all these barriers to communication. Who has a smartphone? Who doesn't? 
even if you have a smart flow, maybe you don't have, don't have a data plan. Um, maybe you speak another language. Maybe, you know, it's really hard for you to get to parent-teacher conferences because you're working two jobs. There's all these barriers to, you know, those successful relationships forming. And unfortunately, it's an immense amount of work for every bit of learning content, every learning tool out there to build around those barriers, right? You know, if I'm building, you know, curriculum software, I can't also worry about how to translate my notices to parents into every different language that parents speak. And I can't also worry about how to, you know, send, you know, reminders over SMS. So, you know, remind, hopefully, what we're trying to do is build the system where all of the content and assignments and notes to home that get sent out there, we can take in, you know, from the teacher, from the classroom and make sure it gets distributed and engaged with and just a much, much higher rate. I mean, there's there's studies that say that, you know, less than four percent of parents log in regularly to their LMS, uh, which is which is so sad because a lot of times you put you by the LMS and say, oh, well, parents now get to know what's going on and in their their kids studies in their school and that's just not the case um you have to reach out to parents across all of these barriers across all these divides and reach them where they are you know i, I think a thing another stat that you know always really encourages me about remind is you know when we roster inside a school and we sync with the school sys so that we can like onboard and activate the entire community we tend to have like 20 percent additional contact points that don't even exist inside the sys the school doesn't even have a record of them and these may be the aunt that the student studies with after school before their parents get home from work or maybe it's mom's new cell phone number or maybe you know uh you know dad's work number that for whatever reason isn't in the school's uh system so we tend to again just really focus on broadening reach to make sure every single person uh can can access uh and can access this, these important materials and relationship building messages yeah, two things. I mean, the stats are staggering around the LMS, but I would say that sometimes LMS um, tech can control the the language of what's important or the emphasis of what's important. And what I love about messaging systems or teachers controlling the dialogue is more of, here's what I think is important, or mm -hmm. how can I check in with you personally? Mm -hmm. When I was at Edutopia, one of our most popular blogs, and this is kind of dating myself in old school, but it was about the power of a positive phone call home. And it was literally, I think Elena Aguilar wrote it and she talked about, you know, so often the reason why that dialogue occurs is because the kid's in trouble. Mm -hmm. Trouble, And it's very punitive and it's like kind of becomes a head shy culture. And sh this blog post at the time, I think it was like 2000 or something like that but they were like wow i can actually have positive it, it wasn't wow i can but educators have so much on their plate but sometimes yeah. shifting the mindset slightly was like wow if i have a positive phone call with them too it opens up the dialogue mm -hmm. and we can accomplish more yeah yeah i mean you, you want to talk about you know sort of best practices or things that we're seeing that become really effective in classrooms you know, we we generally try to really encourage, you know, all of the teachers that want to use Remind to start at the beginning of the year and and don't don't wait till you need to communicate with a, a parent, but just start sharing what's going on in your classroom. Take pictures of, of what the students are doing, send it out to the parents, have a little quick one on one interaction over messaging with every single parent, you know, at the start of the school year, introducing yourself, asking them about their student, what are their hopes and dreams for the year? Um, because if you start out that relationship 
um, from a foundation of trust, from a foundation of, hey, we're both here to support and care for your student, um, then when a challenging situation comes up, uh, there's going to be that base layer of trust and you can approach the 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 situation uh, in a collaborative way, in a way it was like, hey, how do we solve this problem together rather than a combative way? Like, no, I don't trust you. I don't believe what you're saying about my student, right? Um, and so, and, and that takes a lot of work. I mean, I'll say the the one of the good things about Remind is um, we, we've spent a lot of time thinking about how do we make it, it really easy for a teacher to build those positive relationships with you know, all, you know, 30 to 60 parents in their classroom um, and in as fast a way as possible because teachers, you know, no one says the teachers have extra time in the day, right? Um, and 30 to 60 phone calls takes a long time and hopefully building those relationships with, you know, remind announcements and chat messages, you know, gets makes it just a little bit easier uh, to start everyone off on the right foot. So, yeah. I am curious that you do get to see, I mean, you don't get to see all the, the specific things in terms of the messages and whatnot, but, yeah. you know, as of now, I think it's 80% of U.S. schools you re use Remind. Mm -hmm. it, it's about 30 million active users and like 60% of U.S. teachers. Like that's massive. That's a yeah. massive scale of people using a product to communicate. And I mean, this question is huge, but I'm just wondering how you've seen it evolve like yeah the pandemic was its own anomaly and still is on communication mm -hmm. but do you want to just talk through like how you've seen communication from your lens evolve and then we can get to the pandemic too yeah I, that turned everything upside down so you know it's it definitely has changed you know a lot since you know remind started you know over 10 years ago now um you know when we started there was a lot of concern about uh about having you know two-way online messaging with between teachers like it was almost viewed as you know scary or or not safe or or inappropriate um and so in the early days remind was very restrictive it was really just a, a way to send out announcements you know a, a blast to the class right which you know even back then we always felt you know that's not really the way to build these full supportive relationships you need to you need to be able to have a conversation back and forth um but it was sort of the wedge that allowed a lot of folks to, to sort of dip their toe in and start to feel safe with online communication and but what has happened is you know the the world and the expectations around it has changed. And now, you know, every parent almost expects the teacher to be able to message with them, right? Um, like it's it's weird and hard that they don't message with them off, off of their mobile devices, right? Um, so, so, you know, certainly comfort with two-way communication, the importance of that two-way communication has just like, you know, increased dramatically over time. Other things we've seen is, you know, we've we have charted essentially the uptick of, you know, smartphone usage, right? Um, and and of data plans, right? Um, but I'll say that, you know, even now where you've got, I, I forget what the stat is, I think it's like 90% of US households have smartphones we're not at that level of penetration on our app still. There's still a lot of people that have smartphones that prefer to communicate over SMS, maybe because they're very data conscious, maybe because they don't, they don't have access to, you know, reliable Wi-Fi at home. Um, and so SMS is still like a really big, you know, unifier. And, and uh, I think a really important 
uh, thing that Remind has done is we've made SMS a pretty full featured, you know, client and experience. So it's not just, oh, I can just get announcements from my teacher or SMS. I can have a full two-way back and forth conversation with translations if necessary, uh, you know, be, between between languages all over SMS. Um, really no one else does this. It's, it's pretty complicated to, to build and, and frankly expensive to support. Um, but we think that, that, you know, the, the families that most need to engage are often the ones that have the least resources. And so we've got to do whatever we can to make it easy for them. So, you know, uh, again, over time, we've seen that two-way engagement just become more and more important. And you mentioned COVID, you know, it was actually really interesting, you know, and, I, I, I like to think that Remind in some small way helped play a lifeline to a lot of students who felt very, very isolated throughout throughout COVID. You know, it's you know, part of what you get out of school is a social experience. You're building relationships, not just with your teachers, but with your peers. Um, you know, and normally, you know, you if you sort of chart Remind usage throughout the day, you can see, you know, a spike in the morning and then sort of a lull during the school day because students are in class and in in the physical school walls, and then a spike again after after school. Um, during COVID, it was just flat. It was just high the entire time. All day long, students were collaborating with each other, messaging their teacher, asking questions about the assignment. Um, you know, we talk about Zoom fatigue. Like you can't have the a student on a Zoom call for eight hours straight. You know, they need to have some time to, you know, not be recorded. Um, but you know, Remind hopefully turns into that, you know, next layer down of communication. That's you know a little less intense than a, the than a video call, but still really high throughput um, to build those relationships. Yeah, I listened to one of your heads of engineering. He was on a podcast, and he mm -hmm. was about just his experience being at the helm during COVID and mm -hmm. how it was just like alarms going off because the amount of usage that you were seeing were off the charts and they were yeah. unpredictable. Like sometimes they were late at night and like there was all these things. And, you know, in a tech business, it's all about capacity and servers yeah. and making sure that you keep the application up 100%. And it was so yeah. fascinating just to see how communication was it was a lifeline and you could yeah. see it with those spikes. Yeah. I mean, and it changed so quickly. I mean, for those, you know, if you remember in March of 2020, there was a couple of weeks where all of a sudden just, you know, schools around the country shut down and, you know, we would get, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60% changes just hourly in, in usage as, as schools are trying to handle this, figure out what their plans were going to be, you know, try to try to support students. Now, I'll say a, a, a thing that made us very ready for that is remind usage already is uh, is spikier and more uh, more variable than any other company I've ever worked at because there's such a rhythm to the school year. Um, you know, there's you know everyone gets off for the summer. Everyone starts again in you know sort of a five week period in the fall. Um, you know, everyone's joining new classes at the same time. Everyone's taking, you know, winter break at the same time. So there is like a, a, a spikiness or a seasonality that is much more intense than, you know, what I worked at sort of more consumer companies for sure. Yeah. Do you feel at this point now, I guess we're technically in an endemic, right? Like yeah. at this 
point do you see it normalizing to those cyclical changes in K-12 or is it a little bit more of you see that pulse throughout still? Um, I mean, I'd say that like our our communication patterns are much more similar to, you know, in 2019 than they, they are 2020 now. You know, most students are back in school. Everyone's figuring out how to make it work. Um, I think the 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 challenge that educators and, and really administrators are facing right now that we see and, and talk to all the time are their their job has only gotten harder because of COVID. Um, students have unfinished learning, right? They, 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 you know, they did not get everything that they needed to get out of, uh, out of, you know, work from home and, and study from home. Right. Um, additionally, there's been a lot of churn in, you know, the teaching profession. A lot of people said, you know what, this is not for me. Like I'm, I'm out. Right. So we've talked to a lot of schools where there's like actual teacher shortages right now. It's, it's really sad. Um, and, the the good news or sort of a ray of light is in theory there's a lot of funding coming towards these schools you know the the um different ESSER fundings um over the cares acts and other and the other COVID fundings has maybe 7x the normal title one budget that uh, most schools are going to receive over the next two years um which is really great so hopefully they can apply these resources um where it will actually help students sort of make up that unfinished learning uh but you know, it's not again, it's not like administrators had a ton of time in in normal situations. So they they almost have sort of de decision fatigue. Like, how do I uh, put these funds to work? How do I uh, run school as it would normally, but also layer on additional services to help to help my students? It's hard. Like, it, I, I think, it you know, and that's why you're seeing, I think, only seven percent of that funding has actually been spent yet. Um, and there's a there's a there's a time limit on it. It has to get spent in the next two years. So everyone's trying to figure it out. Everyone's trying to figure out what programs to institute to really help their students. So, Yeah. And sometimes I feel like the broader the language, the more decision fatigue comes in because they're mm -hmm. like, it's kind of like, you know, I graduated undergrad business and I'm like, well, the whole world's business, where do I go? You know, some of the common core standards can be broad enough that can apply to different ways to do them. Right. Yeah. So I, I see that people struggle with that. If for those of you that are listening and are active listeners or want to listen to other episodes, we interviewed Raina Glumach from Ride Consulting, and she went into to real intricate detail around ESSER funds, how to navigate all of the funding. And then if you were an ed tech pilot, how do you navigate pilots within all of that to make it successful? So check that out. We'll put it in the show notes. Um, let's... So we talked a little bit about communication evolving and super fascinating because I do feel that regardless of where we're at now, there's now even more of a normalization of that communication. Like, mm -hmm. like before the pandemic, sure, there was beginning to normalize. Now it's like, of course, yes, of course, we're all talking to each other. Of course, we have multiple ways to talk to each other. Mm -hmm. I love that you acknowledged that there is a, it's too much to ask of an educator all the time with all the classes they have. So how do we simplify it? But then for you educators too, I want you to think about how are you putting up boundaries for yourself? Mm -hmm. This is really important. I, I talked to one educator um, 
one of our podcasts highlighted three educators that really just talked about the day in the life of an educator. And one person said to me, I think offline, that some of their apps where they're on call for parents and stuff, they actually don't put it on their phone at times or they take it off because they need to have one moment where they don't feel like they're on call. So as an educator, I don't want you to listen to this episode and say, hey, we're advocating for you to go always call, Mm -hmm. be on call, because we know that this is a marathon and not a sprint. We want you to be there and fuel yourself first and foremost. Yeah, I mean, to to me, like a lot of what we have done over the years that remind us try to build really for the teacher and understand that they are trying to orchestrate a lot of relationships that are really, really important, but they, we have to understand their needs. And I think it's, there's a reason why, um, you know, educators don't use Slack or just regular text messages to communicate with everyone. Like you want to keep that divide. You want to keep um, some ability to manage and, and orchestrate your audience. Um, and we hopefully have built tools uh, to make it, you know, just a little easier and just a little simpler for you to, to manage your life. Things like office hours, making it so, hey, these are the hours when you can contact me any other time, you know, messages are going to have to wait, right? Um, things like uh, our announcement feature, right? So you can send one message, it spurs conversations with every parent in the classroom all at one time, so you don't have to go and repeat yourself 30 times, right? Um, so hopefully, there, hopefully, you know, we, we make that your life just a little bit easier, because again, yeah, it, it, there is this balance of you want to form these relationships, but your job is not to be on call 24-7. Uh, responsive at any time. It's it's unsustainable. So yeah, I was just reflecting is like this generation are, are used to having things on demand. Mm-hmm. But you know, when we were in school, it was, I had to physically wait to go to a room at a certain time and day to have mm-hmm. office hours if they were even available. Right? Yeah. So it was a long lag time. And then in college, it actually got worse because I had to walk very far sometimes. And sometimes the educator wouldn't even be there. The professor wouldn't even be there. So I don't, I think sometimes we take it for granted that instantaneous, but what I also tell my social team too, is that we also don't want to respond right away at times to like, Mm -hmm. almost like instill a behavior of real time too. Mm -hmm. So as an educator, think about how quickly you respond, what, what expectations do you want to set? And Quentin, do you see that happening? Um, in the beginning of school too, of like when they introduce parents, like is, are there expectations around communication? Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, we try to build uh, the, our classroom experience that the teacher manages in a way where they can sort of decide how they want communication to flow. And so a lot of what they're going to be doing, just like when you, when you start a classroom for the first time with a new group of students, you're going to set norms and expectations uh, for that classroom, how do we behave in here? How do we treat each other? How do we ask questions? What are the what are the expectations for each other? You need to do the same thing in a digital space, right? You know, when you message me, when when can you expect a response? Like, what are the kinds of things you'd ask ask me about? How much collaboration do you want to foster between people? You know, there's some classrooms where the teacher really wants all the students talking to each other, talking about the coursework, thinking of thinking in groups, discussing and and debating with each other. And there's other classrooms where the teacher says, no, like, I really mostly want you communicating with me and and that's it. And I don't I'm not trying to foster as much discussion. Um, You know, there's classrooms where you want almost no two way engagement. You really just want to send announcements. So all of those modalities are 
are things that we offer. And we do definitely like encourage uh, educators to just think about the digital space along with the actual classroom space when you're setting expectations for the year. Yeah. And sometimes when we think about communication, we think, especially in the world of texting and SMS, that it's it's very tactical. It's very transactional. It's like, hey, did you do your homework? Or I miss, you know, you like very assignment driven and whatnot. But that's yeah. not the case at all. I mean, yeah. you want to talk a little bit about the different ways educators communicate beyond just like assignments and the expertise of what they teach. Yeah. I mean, I think the most, the most powerful thing is, is just sharing. One of the most powerful things is just sharing what's going on in the classroom with the parents at home, bringing them into the learning process because, you know, it, taking a picture and sending, sending it to all the parents of the students working on something in the classroom, um, you know, sharing a debate that you had that day, it, you know, about, you know, a particular topic allows the parents then to, you know, continue that conversation and discussion when the students are at home to reinforce that learning. Um, so, you know, a lot of it is just looping in the parents. There's, of course, you know, sending, sending uh, assignments and reminders about those assignments, um, again, not just for the student, but to loop in the parents. Um, and then there's, there's, you know, just the, you know, both positive and negative feedback, right? Hey, you know, Sally did really great today and you, you should be really proud of her for X, Y, and Z reason. Or, hey, Billy, like, I really saw that you worked hard on this particular test. Uh, really great job for improvement. Just that acknowledgement um, yeah, you're going to get your grade back, but having someone call out uh, something that you did in a positive way is just it's it's so impactful. Like it, it, it builds that that sense of of belonging. It builds that sense of confidence uh, and, and maybe turns this into a lifelong passion for a student. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think that, uh, you know, feedback, uh, as well as assignments, uh, as well as just, you know, sharing what's going on uh, so the broader community can understand it. They're, they're basically the three main areas that we see communication. Yeah. And it's interesting when we talked originally about how Remind has evolved, because a lot of you ed tech listeners can relate, is, is you might have started out as a very transactional, like a, almost like a commodity where it's mm -hmm. a, a utility. You do this function, right? And you do this fairly well. But what I'm hearing you say and what I've actually seen is that it's it's fostered. Well, it's transformed the way that schools operate, yeah. but it's it's created an experience. It's created this this meaningful relationship. And yeah. what you were just talking about. I was like, gosh, I would have loved that. And I yeah. couldn't imagine what type of learner I would have been if I had consistent positive feedback mm -hmm. um, on the things that didn't weren't necessarily 100 percent valued in school. Yeah. You know, yeah, and, different types of learners, right? And, you know, the, there's people who want to receive feedback in different spaces. I mean, some people, you know, want to receive sort of praise inside the classroom verbally. Some people prefer, you know, a, a quick note privately afterwards, right? Um, so, you know, just, again, trying to support those different those different use cases and different modalities is, is what we're trying to do. The other thing I think that, you know, is really important to to call out is that one of the things we absolutely see is that when an entire school uses Remind, so most of the time Remind starts by just one or two teachers. They pick it up, they start using it, and, and they say, okay, yeah, I'm going to use this for my classroom. Um, and that's great, and we get a lot of usage, and you start to see those use cases that I was talking about. 
But when an entire school or an entire district even starts to use Remind, um, you just see really an explosion of use cases. You start to see that this is a tool that really every person in the district can use at different layers and with different frequencies. We have this graphic we share sometimes uh, for district leaders. It's almost like our, our you know, nutritional pyramid, uh, you know, but at the base layer, it's like classroom comps. You want that like daily. You want, you know, just constant back and forth about little things, you know, with your, your classroom teachers, just to keep a track of what's going on and, and to reinforce those things. Then one layer up on the pyramid is, um, is school comps. Hey, you know, what's going on? There's a dance or there's a fundraiser or there's a um, uh, community service event or something like that. Or it's enrollment day or school picture day or, you know, here's the here's grades, whatever. Um, and those happen, you know, maybe weekly, you know, maybe, you know, what a quick check in now and then from the principal. Um, and then at the top of the pyramid are really important comms from the district, but they're less personal and they happen sort of infrequently. You know, hey, here's, you know, important paperwork that you need to sign or here's the state test scores that are coming out. Right. Um, but what what happens when you've got this, like all the communication happening in one layer is they can support and reinforce each other. And and you find even more use cases. Oh, well, maybe the you know updates about the bus route should go out over remind. And oh, like, you know, we've had to shut down one of the schools because a pipe burst and we can communicate with the parents like about about that over remind. And so you just get this like really vibrant ecosystem where parents know that the most up-to-date information and students know that the most up-to-date information is going to come to them over remind and it just sort of like snowballs um and and becomes like you know a digital school square basically yeah i was going to ask you about the admin use case because in a way you don't want to pepper communication that it's overwhelming yeah um but there is there are really important uses for admin to use school comms mm -hmm. and in particular things around safety come up yeah. too and are you i know that there are urgent messaging features in remind but can do you have any use cases of how it's helped with school safety it's it's just unfortunately something that we all have to think about and it breaks my heart to think yeah. that we have to be constantly unaware and educators are now i mean even now the ripple effects um yeah the educator who wrote this heartbreaking poem i read today and it was just about you know something small happens that's a noise and everyone just locks doors and freaks out um and i yeah. it's in their right to do so now but i'm curious on how technology potentially can help and I see you uniquely positioned there, too. Yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of schools have, you know, emergency alert software. Um, I think that it tends to be insufficient in a couple of ways that hopefully, you know, Remind can help with 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 our urgent messaging features, our emergency alert features. Um, one is Remind really is a mobile first uh, service, right? Even for an administrator. Yeah, we have, you know, of course, web interface and you can log in on the web and, and on your computer and, you know, get analytics or set up your rostering and, you know, advanced things like that. But, you know, a lot of times a principal is out roaming the halls, talking to teachers, talking to students. And, and if an emergency happens, the last thing they need to do is run back to their office to send out an, an emergency, an emergency message. Um, so being able to reach your entire school community, including your parents from your pocket, um, being able to, 
target that. Maybe you only need to talk to a particular building full of parents, right? Uh, or a particular buses full of parents, being able to target that message, personalize it, send it out with the appropriate level of urgency, all from your pocket is actually really, really important. Um, and, and, and provides like a much like more close sense of, uh, of urgency, like the befitting to the befitting to the situation. The other thing that I think is really, really important is a lot of the old emergency alert services out there are really about one-way communication. And in some sense, that makes sense because you actually can't have a principal or a district leader communicating with a hundred or hundreds or thousands of parents at once, right? But what happens when you send out an emergency message and say, hey, we've got to, we've got to shut down school, we, we've, we need to come pick up your kids. Well, immediately the school phone banks are busy. You can't get through. You can't, parents can't reach them. And parents have important questions. I'm at work, I can't pick them up. Or how do I, how do I get there? Or is my kid safe? Or what do I do, right? Um, and so the, the, it actually comes back to that triangle I was talking about, you know, our, our, our nutrition triangle of communication. Um, what you really wanna happen is you want important mass comms to go out from the district leader or the school leader, um, but then coordination and one-on-one -on -one collaboration to happen with the teacher, often the homeroom teacher, right? You know, an example I have is, you know, like five years back now or something, um, LA Unified had a uh, bomb scare and they had to shut down the entire district. Um, and, you know, they shut it down like, I think like eight in the morning um, and they canceled school. And so kids were already on their way to school. They were already walking to the bus stop. Parents were already, you know, going to work. They sent out, you know, these mass comms uh, texts, right, um, from their from their old provider, and parents were in a panic. They didn't know what to do. They were like, "I, I thought my kids were already at school. I'm already at work." But the but the parents who could collaborate on remind with their teacher, we heard just so many stories of you know teachers saying, "Well, hey, I'll I'll go pick up your kid and I'll wait with them at the Dairy Queen until you can come get them, uh, or I'll hang out with them at the bus stop and or help them walk home or whatever." Right? Um, and it's really you know, kids take real human intervention like that and you can't just scale it to thousands of people you need these teachers who can care for a small number of students at once in these emergency situations um, and so hopefully that whole process uh, becomes easier on your mind when everyone's really used to communicating uh, in in one platform yeah I'm just reflecting a little bit on this conversation it's giving me goosebumps because it's just it's horrific that that we have to deal with school safety all of the time and seconds count. Mm -hmm. When I think about seconds counting, I think about how we can enable technology to help us. Um, and what your point was of one way versus two way, it's, it's, it's about getting the initial message out, but sometimes that initial message is wrong mm -hmm. and, and you need people on the ground that can say, here you go. And I, I mean, I always, what if, they, what should have, and I started going down the should path when I hear these stories, but gosh, what if, what if they mm -hmm. did have somebody who immediately said, no, the shooter's over here. Mm -hmm. No, you know, like there was so many conflicting reports. Mm -hmm. So it just, I see such a, I mean, I don't want it to be um, yeah. something that's a popular feature for y'all, but I, I do want everyone to feel safe. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and again, like, I, I really think that it has to be 
collaboration up and down that stack. It can't just be a district leader problem and it can't just be a school classroom problem. It's, it's about the whole community. So. Agreed. Yeah. Well, we talked a lot about communication and I'm like, we went through one of the most challenging times in K-12 education and you, you were at the helm of one of the fastest growing ed tech companies too. Um, Given your unique vantage point of what communication is and how it evolves, I'm just curious on if you all have talked about, like, what is communication looking like in the next five or 10 years? I mean, we've got Zuck out here talking about the metaverse. <laughs> you know, in Star Trek, we always have the holograms pop. Yeah. <laughs> like, what you know, you we, uh, I tend to be a little more tempered, I think. I, I, you know, I think it's great if we can offer really interesting, you know, VR metaverse experiences inside schools. But I think it is, again, that we just think it's the access question is so important. Um, and we, you know, you know, we really believe that if you, you know, choose a communication pathway that lets, you know, even one percent of your families behind um, then you're you're doing them a disservice. Um, and so we're going to continue focusing on uh, ways that we can bring access to more and more people. And, you know, one of the areas that we're investing in a lot right now is, is actually accessibility. Um, you know, SMS actually is, is pretty accessible. You know, the, the foam makers have done a good job making sure that their SMS capabilities are, you know, accessible to people who, uh, you know, who, who have hearing or, or vision difficulties, but we want to make sure that all of our surfaces, our apps and our websites are, are even more accessible. And that that's something we're definitely putting a lot of energy into. Um, but I think, a lot of what we think about when we think about the future of communication is who else needs to be in this community that we're building? Um, and how can we enable the school to extend their resources even further? Because we know, um, you know, right now, actually, I think the, the, the big change that we're seeing, and I think it's driven by COVID or accelerated by COVID, but I don't think it's going to end, you know, just because you know we're past COVID, not that we are, um, is schools are starting to really think about how really high dosage tutoring needs to be a part of their offering uh, to help students who are who are falling behind. Um, you know, schools really talk about you know multi tiered systems of support, right? They talk about okay, well, you know, everyone's in the class, and then students are struggling a little bit, get this extra support, and then students are struggling even more, get this extra support. You know, and to us, the pinnacle of that is high dosage tutoring. It can be expensive. Uh, you know, it's it's you know one on one or small group consistent tutoring, right? Um, but it is over and over again, research driven proven to be the most effective way to actually accelerate and change learning outcomes. Yeah, one of the trends we saw with the pandemic was the evolution of the term learning pods, mm -hmm. <laughs> and like all of the other things around that. But it just frustrated me because I saw inequities, the gap grow bigger and bigger because yeah. the people that had that's in the funds to do so got their children high quality learning mm -hmm. pods and tutors and things like that and so many kids were left behind with that mm -hmm. so i love that it's any kind of offering is being offered on the district level oh and, and access is really important there because yeah. a, a lot of the b2c's that target the parents are you know they'd have to make money that way, but it, it is fueling a lot of have and have nots with education. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, 
it has to it to us you know the students who most need tutoring who most need you know help getting up to speed uh are going to be the ones that are often the most unengaged and often maybe have the fewest resources so it can't the onus can't be on parents the onus has to be on the district um to identify these students support them getting the help that they need um and and we have to have the political will and the budget and we're starting to see that to support these students in doing that like it can't just be oh well some students you know, fall behind and that's okay. Like, I think that's just no longer acceptable. Um, and, and you know, the, the great thing is when you see a school roll out a tutoring program, when they identify the students who need it, when they facilitate time for them to meet with that tutor, you know, a study period, you know, where they're, you know, on a computer, you know, interacting with the tutor, um, it really is transformative. And you, and you see students that were failing, you know, get five out of fives on AP exams. You know, we have like, tons of examples of that. Um, and, and, you know, I, I really think that, uh, it, the, the school buyer is definitely the right buyer to, to help push forward, you know, this equity issue in schools. Yeah, and I think this entire conversation, as as we talked about in the beginning, is is all bubbling into meaningful relationships. And sometimes I, I need to redefine things like tutoring and communication because we tend to think it very transactional. Like mm -hmm. you got problem let's get you here but you can't get people to really truly succeed if they don't feel like you're being cared for mm -hmm. and there's not a relationship there and i see if the, if there's more touch points within the ecosystem of a student learning one educator is not going to be that meaningful impact for every single student in their classroom. It's just not physically possible. They no. even if you're the best teacher. So if a tutor can also provide that or be that one that cares and believes for them, I think yep. that's powerful. Yeah. yeah. And, and you're, you're, you know, we're just hardwired evolutionarily to respond emotionally to other people. And, and if you've got that one-on-one -on -one connection and, you know, we tell our tutors, spend the first five minutes, the first 10 minutes of every session, just talking to them, just saying, you know, how's your life? What did you do last week? Anything interesting going on, right? Building that connection, because that's what's going, that connection is going to motivate them through productive, challenging moments, right? For those moments where they're not sure, they don't know, they think this is hard, they think this is stupid, but they're going to want to do it because you're there rooting for them, caring for them. You know, they know that you're on their team. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I think that's almost every definition you read of high distance tutoring talks about consistent tutoring in small groups. But the, to us, when we read that, that, me that means relationships. That means, you know, building that supportive relationship, so. Yes, well, Q, thank you so much for your time. One question we ask all of our guests, and it's, I think it's always going to be timely, this question, because of the challenges we face with the pandemic and life. But it's all about trying to rejuvenate yourself and trying to keep inspired. You obviously are the head of a very mission-driven organization. But are there things that you do on your hard days that, you know, things that you physical exercise, you read, you watch, you have things in your life that just keep you going. Yeah. When you feel really down, you're like, this, this will help me get through. Well, you can let our think, audience know. Some of my favorite things are, you know, hearing from our, our teachers and our educators, um, hearing the little stories of, you know, what they were able to do, 
even just looking for mentions of Remind on Twitter, you you just see great use cases of what what teachers are doing, things that we never even imagined. Um, you, new new ways to communicate, new ways to engage their classroom that they uh, that that are enabled by Remind. Those are always inspiring to me. Um, so you know, we we love hearing from our educators absolutely. Um, and then you know, to unwind or to center myself, the other thing I do is you know, I I think in another life I would like to be a chef. So I also I also cook a lot. So I I think anyone uh, anyone who's had a stressful day. You know, just take some time to cut up some vegetables and cook them up. It'll make you feel better. Yeah, it's kind of meditative, right? You're like, gosh, this is taking so long, but that's the whole purpose, right? That's, that's to right. do small yeah. tasks. I used to work in the food industry, and I would always love folding up the napkins, you know, and doing the roll-ups because it was a mindless task that I yeah. could just get very good at. And it's accomplishable. Yeah. Like, I can do this, and I will, it will be complete when I am done. <laughs> not, not all of life is like that. <laughs> so with cooking, there's that art. There's that sometimes it always doesn't come out the same way. You know, there's things in there that you're like, yes, I'm learning. Mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. I, I find it inspiring as well. Yeah. Well, Q, how can people get in touch with you or your team um, if they're yeah. inspired? Uh, I mean, you you should reach out to us on Twitter. Uh, I think it's uh, Remind HQ on on Twitter. Uh, you can all everyone's able able to email me at any time. I'm Quentin at Remind101.com. Um, you know, and and leave us a message. Like we, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear from teachers. We'd love to hear from other people in the ed tech community. Um, you know, if you've got an ed tech service out there and you think there'd be an interesting you know way that we could collaborate, you know, we we're always trying to again, connect all of the content and services out there to the parents and students who need to see it. Um, so hopefully we can, we can help, you know, everyone, uh, everyone in the industry uh, get their stuff engaged with. Awesome. Well, thank you everybody for joining us today. I, I truly hope that you walked away with a new appreciation for the how com communication has evolved throughout K-12 education. And if you're an educator too, I would love you to think about how you communicate with your own students. What are the barriers? What are the expectations? All the ins and outs. And now think about it as it relates to back to school in the upcoming school year as well. And I challenge you to come up with something that is thoughtful, that meets the needs of your class and your parents, but also yourself too. So again, really guard your own self-care throughout the year and messages can fuel you from students, but we know that being an educator is, is very, sometimes one of the most thankless professions out there and it can be also draining. So th there's my little, <laughs> standing on my soapbox for you educators out there. Um, you all can access this episode's show notes at leoniconsultinggroup.com backslash 23. So that's two, three. Um, we put everything that we talked about with Q. We'll also put some resources for a remind too. There's a, a couple of guides I think that might be helpful for communication too. And they can be used regardless of what product you use too. I really want to make sure that regardless of any kind of ed tech product you use is that you're thinking about communication critically and, and proactively. How do I want communication to occur in my classroom? So thank you all. We will see you next time on all things marketing and education. Take care. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. If you liked what you heard and want to dive deeper, you can visit leoniconsultinggroup.com backslash podcasts for all show notes, links, and freebies mentioned in each episode. 
And we always love friends. So please connect with us on Twitter at Leone Group. If you enjoyed today's show, go ahead and click the subscribe button to be the first one notified when our next episode is released. We'll see you next week on all things marketing and education.